The Viewpoint on SAFM with Songizoma Beke, Monday to Thursday, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. We are live. We're back on SAFM. The time is 20.40. I cannot ignore this message. I know I've previously been taken to task for reading personal messages, but hey, how can I not? Umama ka izibele zengosi zimi ingona pagata. Her name is Zimbi Nima Beke. She insists I say to her happy birthday today on air. This is my sister who is also now in Dodagazi for the last three days to Anovuyo Mabekle. Well, I've done my bit in the family WhatsApp group. I promise not to do it again, but I couldn't escape that one. If you know, you know. When you have a sister, it's best just to listen to her if you want to eat when you get home. 2040 is the time the conversation certainly does continue. And the conversation now is about internship programs with an impact. In conversation, Mika Wetch. Kucha's unit head for the Capital and Funding Office and the Kucha MICT CETA Graduate Internship Program Project. She shares key learnings from her experience designing the Kucha MICT CETA Graduate Internship Program. When Kucha's digitalization work stream looked at the post-qualification employment data of ICT graduates in particular, they found that except for top graduates who find viable employment within three months of applying, the balance of the province's graduates remain unemployed for between 8 and 11 months post-qualification, with a bottom quarter of the qualifying class spending on average 18 months to two years seeking employment. Let's engage, therefore, the successes of this particular project with Ms. Mika, Micah Wetch. Ma'am, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. I beg your pardon to ask this, but I think it is important for me. Have I pronounced your name and surname correctly? Yes, to an extent, follow from there. Uh, it's Micah as a Micah Hartwistle and Vich as a Freedom Vich. Micah, you go. thank you so much, Micah. Yes, please, thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. The project itself, why is this one seemingly more successful than previous instances of similar programs? What have you guys done differently? We've, we've, we've designed very deliberately a very structured workplace component. What normally happens is that people take on graduate interns, they pass qualification, and then we give them exposure to the workplace. Um, the problem in most instances is that you expose them to what your workplace offers, and you're not actually preparing them for industry. So what we've done is to say, well, what are the occupational competencies that people require at a particular level of employment? And let us really deliberately structure that they actually get that exposure and that they actually get that experience, and that then leads to the practical competence. Would that in part be a confirmation that the training institutions, be it universities and or TVET colleges, to that extent the program engages and is structured the way that yours is, there is an asymmetry of kind, be it information asymmetry or whatever the asymmetry is, between the training institutions and them, the graduates, that is, being ready for work such that this program almost has to act as the conveyor belt? Have I got it wrong? If so, tell me where. Well, no, you, you didn't get it wrong. And I think the, the reason why there's an asymmetry um, is because we need to understand the, the role that different institutions play in the training process. Mm. So by definition, a TVEC college or a university would focus on the, on the theoretical aspects of the training. And to an extent, universities are moving out of this by developing clusters, by ensuring practical exposure and practical application. Mm. But, but by definition, the, the, the core focus is really the theoretical training and the undergrowth mm. that they've got to give a particular graduate. So when that graduate gets out into the workplace, 
typically what you would need to do is that you would then need to contextualize that training and you need to practically apply that. And that normally happens in your first job. The problem that we have now is because graduates demand a premium by virtue of their qualification, employers have become a lot more choosy. And they say, look, I want a graduate that can add value to the bottom line. I expect this graduate to be able to have a certain level of applied competency. And this is why an internship is necessary. The internship is very necessary, and we're going to go there just now, but specifically on the curriculum and what it covers, because we're talking about asymmetries and mismatches here, specifically focusing on topics of the kind of systems engineering, mathematics, software development, data architecture, and cybersecurity relative to workplace entry requirements. There is a challenge, at least in that the Many schools outside the top schools, the the quintiles one, two, and three, where the majority of South African learners come from, unfortunately would score low, generally speaking, on, for instance, mathematics. They probably wouldn't even be in a position to be scored on systems engineering, software development, data architecture, and cybersecurity, because not just a lot of TVET colleges, even certain universities struggle with the necessary ICT infrastructure. And even if you have that ICT infrastructure, the necessary competence from the instructor to the student. And all of that is from high school into tertiary education. There's, they're constantly servicing a backlog in terms of just affinity with the material, the equipment and everything else, such that, as you correctly point out, that an employer wants to add to the bottom line because this person ought to have been trained for a good 18 to 22 years, such that at 23 plus in the workplace, there's a level of competency that is functional and that adds to the employer. Now, these numbers, unfortunately, from what the Department of Education every year in January tells us is that we are probably increasingly in the wrong direction on systems engineering, mathematics, software development, data architecture, and cybersecurity. And I don't imagine it's dramatically too different in a majority of South African tertiary institutions how that systemically is being attended to. Or how much of an impact is that in the workplace and such that this sort of program becomes all the more necessary? It is. Um, Well, look, let me put it to you this way and and give you a statistic. So from cohort of roughly about 58,000 matriculants, roughly about 2,000 of them would sit for the math metric exam. And by that, I don't mean math literacy, I mean math proper. So so universities are in competition with each other, um, and faculties are in competition because so many occupations these days at university require a good math pass. So a student would have to choose between any of the STEM disciplines ranging from medicine to engineering to eventually, uh, uh, you know, also ICT and commerce and so on. So the the um, the number of students that actually qualify to go and study in these skills and critical skills, and that's why those skills are critical, because we don't have a strong enough pipeline coming through. Mm. That's the first problem. So you don't have, you know, you don't have a strong cohort coming through in terms of numbers. The second thing that happens then is that, you know, in any, in, on any level of training, you have to start where your student is at. Um, and often these math classes aren't that strong. And now you have to sort of start bringing the student up to the level where the curriculum requires. 
And there's only so much an institution can do. So they cover the curriculum. Mm -hmm. But what we are talking about here is a, is a very high-skilled occupation. And let me give you the example. Yes. There's, there's, there's a huge difference between having a qualification and having the occupational license to practice. And mm. let me use the professions as an example. Yes. So you would exit the university with an LLB degree. Mm -hmm. You can't immediately go and practice. You need to actually go and fulfill your professional registration requirements. Articles. And that is a very structured internship. And then sit for a board exam. And that would give you the occupational license to practice. The same with CAs, the same with medical students, students wanting to become doctors and nurses. So there's always that period mm. of a very structured internship. What we have in the ICT disciplines is that that is not a registered profession. It's mm. a highly skilled occupation. But what we, what we don't often realize is that the higher the skills level demanded in an occupation, the more necessary it becomes to have some kind of post-qualification, very structured intervention to give you the occupational skill set that would allow you to practice. And that goes for the commercial disciplines. So typically, we now take graduate interns in who come with their honours in financial markets or economics. Then we, we, we also, and that's also not a profession, it's a very highly skilled uh, occupation. So you would then take them through a structured internship that allows them to go and write their JSE exams, uh, write their CFA exams, and all of those things that would allow you to practice. And this is the thing that, they, uh, that we find with the, with the uh, highly skilled occupations. Um, and, 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 and that thing introduces the need for, this, for these very structured internships. I would imagine this is the birth, perhaps, then through this program and the ongoing skills deficit, let me call it that, of what is required versus what is available, a strong push towards the licensing and official registration to belong to this very specialized skill and profession, more especially against the increasing demands of the workplace. No, absolutely. And the thing is, as you see, when you're sitting in a profession, which is governed by a professional council, that professional council has a very strong insight into the university curriculum leading up and, and uh, to the qualification that would be the entry requirement mm. into professional training. In occupations where you don't have a professional body, that link is often severed. So what we find is that you need a formal feedback loop into the training and education system that, that allows um, for the for the alignment of curricula to occupational outcomes, so so that by the time you leave that institution, your training was very specific to that occupation. It's very specific to an occupational context, and you you become more more suitable for workplaces. And what we often find is that when curricula are developed, and I say this. Um, you know, your education institution has to have a hand in that because ultimately they are the deliverer of that training. But you need that feedback loop from the workplace because the labor market is like any other market. Mm. You need to produce um, in response to the market demand. And if the market says at this level, these are the competencies that I want uh, an entrant to have, then your curriculum needs to align to that. Now, in South Africa, we've got the organizing framework for occupations that clearly stipulate those occupational outcomes. But what I find when I deal with many institutions, from TV colleges to universities, is that often when you sit with that curriculum and you ask that department and say, okay, here's the occupational profile, how does your assessment outcomes align with this occupational profile? In many instances, particularly at the TV level, 
um, the lecturing staff would sort of look at you and say, well, this is the first time we've seen an occupational profile. And that's, that's where the mismatch comes. Wow. There's plenty, clearly, a lot to talk about here. We'll have to invite you back when we really can tease out these issues. For now, it's important that this conversation was had to profile, particularly such an important story coming from the province of the Eastern Cape, engaging such a critical avenue of opportunity and engaging the reality of the world that is now 2023. Micah Wesch, thank you, ma'am, so much for your time. Do appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take an ad break before we go to the news. One more story.